Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Imagine walking into a busy emergency room and hearing harp music. That's exactly what you'll hear in Patterson, New Jersey, at St. Joseph Healthcare. It's part of an unusual approach to pain management the hospital started that prescribes opioids to patients only as a last resort, instead relying on non-addictive medicines and therapies like harp music. In today's episode, you'll learn how this new program, known as Alto, works and why it's been so successful in their community. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mark Rosenberg. Mark is the Chairman of Emergency Medicine and the Medical Director for Population Health at St. Joseph's Healthcare System in Patterson, New Jersey. Together with Dr. Alexis Lapitra, Medical Director of Pain Management in the ER at St. Joseph's Regional Medical Center, they created ALTO, that's Alternatives to Opioids Program. Dr. Rosenberg, I'd like to welcome you. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here today. So, Dr. Rosenberg, I understand that our opioid epidemic has impacted you recently in a very personal way. Can you share a story with us? Yes, I'd like to tell you a story about my friend Jerry. Uh, He and I started working together uh, doing iron work uh, when I was just early in my college career. And We became close friends for a number of years. We were in contact regularly and got a call a couple years ago that uh, he had some problems swallowing, and unfortunately, he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. The esophagus is the tube that runs from your mouth down to your stomach, and cancer in that area is usually just terrible. He went through a series of surgeries and chemotherapy and, and Uh, radiation and uh, amazingly did very well and he's one of the few people that were actually considered a cure from this devastating disease. Uh, I got a call from his sister just last Saturday uh, that Jerry passed away. He was found dead from a heroin overdose and this all started when he was taking pain medications, opioids, for his cancer-related pain, 
and he was never able to really get off the uh, dependency of the opioids and eventually went to the street and got heroin and succumbed to a heroin overdose. So just a terrible story that still has me uh, quite upset, I must say. Well, my condolences. I'm sorry to hear about your loss. So let's move on over to the uh, the Alto program. You've uh, you've founded an innovative program to prescribe to to press to prescribe anything but opioids. So can you tell us a little bit about Alto and how you happen to start it? Well, our first our goal for the uh, alternative to opioids program was actually to become completely opioid free. We wanted to be the best emergency department in managing pain, but trying to do it with completely without opioids. We found out very early that that was really a mistake. Uh, we couldn't be opioid-free because sometimes you need it for somebody with cancer pain or sickle cell disease or uh, from a traumatic car accident where, they're, uh, where they have fractured bones or a pelvis. Uh, Opioids are definitely needed and appropriate in those cases, but for the common conditions that come into the emergency department, like kidney stones and um, minor fractures and back pain and headache, we searched the world literature to come up with the best treatment without using opioids for many of these common conditions. And we were very, very successful. So... Tell me about some of those treatments. I understand that you had uh, uh, trigger point injections, nitrous oxide, ultrasound, guided nerve blocks. In layman's terms, can you describe some of those? Well, let me, let me put it into a category first, just so you understand what we tried to do uh, or what we were successful in doing. All pain is, is there's receptors that are pain receptors. And when those receptors in the body are stimulated, uh, the nerve endings are stimulated, uh, you and I would feel pain. So the idea was to come up with blocking agents to block the receptors so indeed the patient or you and I would not receive, would not feel any pain. So we would use a series of non-addicting, very safe medications uh, to manage each of these conditions. Some of those medications were delivered by injection, like um, nerve blocks, where we would actually block the nerve that was stimulated from the fracture or from the injury. Other times we would give medication, and I'll give a couple names just so you heard them, but I'll explain their use. We use medications like um, gabapentin or lidocaine, lidocaine patches or injection and those types of drugs actually block the receptor that's causing pain for musculoskeletal injuries. So this is a very scientific approach to pain. And there's many other receptors in the body. And just to name a couple, uh, there's COX-1, 2, and 3 receptors in the body. So you can use medications that specifically block those areas. Uh, and the list of receptors goes on and on. Uh, and there are specific drugs for each one of those. Okay. So did the implementation of Alto require training to administer the, the alternatives, or were there you know, skills necessary to run the program already part of your ER skill set? 
setting of the protocols required a lot of research, and many of the protocols, when it's just using alternative medications, did not need in-depth training, but indeed needed those protocols to be put into, um, into play. But some of the other modalities, such as trigger point injections, required some training. Uh, so all the physicians at St. Joe's have been trained in the trigger point injections and also in different types of nerve blocks that can be done for a fractured uh, clavicle or, or dislocated or fractured shoulder or arm. And so they learned all those different techniques. Okay. So can you walk us through kind of a timeline on implementation of this? You've had Alto in place how long, doctor? And then, and then backing up from that, how long did it take to implement it and train everyone? Well, we started this whole concept back in 2014. And to really develop the concept, we started a uh, postgraduate training program called a fellowship, a fellowship in acute pain management. And our first fellow for this program uh, is a doctor by the name of Alexis LaPietra. Uh, Dr. LaPietra studied for... Um, an entire year how to improve the management of common pain syndromes and severe pain syndromes. And then we were able to train the entire physician staff, resident staff, and nursing staff in some of these modalities that we had uncovered during this one year of training. Okay. So um, what kind of, so they went through the training for one year, the doctors did? It, it took one oh, whole year? my mistake. Dr. LaPietra did a one-year training program and then came back mm -hmm. and over a series of different simulation labs, we were able to train the physicians over a relatively short period of time of, of uh, several hours in each sim lab until everybody had their skill set um, uh, up to speed so they were able to manage severe and acute pain syndromes. Okay. So I'm trying to envision this from a perspective of, say, another healthcare provider. Um, if they chose to implement a similar program to Alto in their facility. So I, I think that I don't want to mislead anybody. Mm -hmm. The long, the part that requires significant amount of training is the ultrasound guided nerve blocks. The medication protocols that handles more than 90% of the pain syndromes uh, that we deal with with the Alto protocol is really just a one or two hour lecture going through the new protocols, going through the different medications, uh, talking about patient um, case studies. So the majority of the Alto protocols can be taught over a very brief period of time, but realize this took a lot of research to put these together. Sure. All these protocols have been done elsewhere. We were the hospital and the program that packaged them all together into one program. Got it. Outstanding. Okay. So um, in terms of some numbers, what before versus after, what's the difference in prescribing practices? How often are opioids used today versus before? You know, it's interesting. Uh, physicians were very hungry for this knowledge and this ability to manage pain without opioids. 
and I can explain that in great detail. But let me answer your question first. The, the use of ALTO uh, principles have caused our physicians or have allowed our physicians to use almost 50% less opioids in the emergency department and also decrease their prescription of opioids for somebody who is discharged by almost 50%. The numbers are just staggering to have that great of success rate. Wow. And if I could, Greg, I'd love to explain why that pent-up desire for um, other modalities Please. really fed into this. Please, doctor. You know, when as a physician, I went into medicine in part to relieve suffering and eliminate pain from any patient who I was taking care of. And in my medical bag or in my toolbox, so to speak, there were really two different types of medications. There was the Tylenol and Advil side of the, of the medical bag, and on the other side was opioids. And if I wanted to really take care of somebody's pain, and I only had one chance to do it, I would use opioids. As we realized that opioids were much more addictive than originally thought, and that we were starting to run into an opioid crisis, there really were not good alternatives until the Alto program really researched and put together new alternatives. So it's, it's kind of like adding more tools to the toolbox. So the physicians were thrilled to do this and immediately started using these new protocols. Wow, that's outstanding. So let's go back to the uh, ailments where you would use Alto and those where you would stick with uh, traditional opioids. Can you describe those maybe in a little bit more details, kind of you know, a few more examples, I'll say, of those where, yeah, perfect for Alto, and this one, no, we're going to stick with opioids. So um, let me talk about the opioid piece first. Okay. Uh, somebody who has a malignant um, a metastatic cancer disease where it has spread through their body and they're having significant pain from the cancer, that type of individual, clearly we would go to opioids uh, as soon as it was necessary to control the pain. Somebody who's in a car accident who has a fractured pelvis uh, or the long bone in the leg called the femur, uh, those are tremendously painful conditions, and we would use opioids for them as well. We would also use opioids for other conditions where alternatives have failed and the patient still requires pain relief. But the goal in managing pain is not to get to somebody to a zero pain where they absolutely don't have any pain. It's to get them to a point where they can function and maintain their normal activity. And if we can control the pain to that point, then that is a successful management of acute pain. Can you give us some kind of guideline in terms of if, okay, if opioids are the most effective uh, pain relief, how long? Is there a maximum amount of time? How long really should you be on those? Because we hear all the time of overprescribing, having wisdom teeth taken, taken out, and then ending up going home with, you know, 30, 40 pills, which you don't need that. So can you give us a rule of thumb? Well, let me, let me, let me put it this way. 
if I would do a poll of 100 people and ask them how many of you want to become addicted to opioids, I wouldn't get anybody to raise their hand. And part of the whole management of somebody who has pain is to have a face-to-face -face conversation with your doctor. So if I was going to prescribe opioids, I would let you know that indeed these are very powerful medications. They're very, very dangerous. They're easily addictive. And that I want you to take only what you need to manage your pain, nothing more. And let me also say that when I say manage your pain, that's not to get you to a point where you have no pain. That's to get you to a point that you can function even with some uh, pain. That would be successful management. So even if I sent you home with 10 pills, I would not want you to take all those pills. I would want you to take only what you need. From the emergency department, we're typically only giving uh, a handful of doses, maybe five or six doses of a pain medication, and referring that individual to their doctor so that they can continue to get managed. Sometimes I need to give more than just a uh, handful of doses of that medication because they can't get to their doctor for a couple days because it may be a weekend or it's an orthopedic surgeon's appointment and that may take a longer period of time. So I don't want to just put a time frame on it, but the point is to give the lowest dose for the shortest time frame possible to manage the pain. Fair enough. Now let's move back to Alto. So one of the key conditions that we use uh, alternatives for is kidney stones. You know, in, if you've ever had a kidney stone, it is considered some of the worst pain you can possibly have. And a kidney stone is actually a stone that leaves the kidney, which is in the mid-portion of the back, and travels down a thin tube to the bladder. And it's that travel down that tube that causes tremendous amount of pain. Uh, some people say it's the worst pain uh, that you can ever imagine, worse than childbirth. And we would typically give patients very strong opioids like morphine or Dilaudid. But what we found is if I gave IV lidocaine instead, and lidocaine is an anesthetic that very similar to what the dentist would use to numb up your mouth, if I would give that intravenously, it not only numbs up that tube that goes between the kidney and the bladder that causes so much pain as the stone travels through, but it also allows for easier passage of the stone so that the duration of therapy can be completed in a much shorter period of time than given opioids. Many patients who come to us with kidney stone pain require nothing more than IV lidocaine, and then they pass the stone while they're still in the emergency department. And these are patients who in the past I would give heavy narcotics or opioids to, and I would also send them home with a prescription for the same. Wow. That's quite a breakthrough. It is, it is an amazing approach. Patients are much better. I have one of the areas where we've had the largest increase in patients or two main areas. One is Moms who are bringing in their school-age children who have gotten injured while playing soccer or another sport are bypassing their local emergency department to come to our emergency department because they don't want their child to have opioids. 
and we can manage their pain without use of opioids by alto principles. Another group, to my surprise, were those who had a dependency on opioids in the past, whether they were a heroin user or they had trouble with opioids from prescription use, and they don't want to go down that pathway again. So they are coming to us saying, I don't want opioids. Can you manage this without opioids? And indeed, we can. This has, if I, if I make it, just continue on this thought, because I think this is the most important part of this entire program. Absolutely. In my hospital, this caused a complete culture change. We no longer think of opioids as our drug of first choice to manage pain. We now use alternatives. And everybody in the department feels the same way. Our usage of opioids has decreased by almost 50%, and the patient satisfaction has increased as well. Patients are very, very happy to alleviate their pain without the risk of addiction or dependency that opioids may cause. Okay. So give us a few examples. You gave us a compelling example with the kidney stones, whereby uh, Alto just works so well and so much more effectively than opioids. Are there any others that you can give us where it's just, it's night and day almost? Oh, it's, uh, I really like the success rate that we've had by using trigger point injections. So a trigger point injection, again, is like using, is using medications like lidocaine or similar class of medications. Uh, but if somebody has musculoskeletal pain, particularly back pain, on examination of the back, I frequently can find an area of very tense muscles. It actually feels like a knot. And if any of you had neck or shoulder or back pain and uh, you, or you touch somebody's back, you can feel that area. But we can actually target an injection into that area, sometimes even without using lidocaine, just using a sterile needle or syringe, and I can alleviate the pain and the spasm almost immediately. One person, Dr. LaPietro always tells me this story, he had severe neck pain and couldn't turn his head. Uh, it, it was devastating for him, and he couldn't drive, and he normally drives for a living. And he came in, and we gave him a trigger point injection, and he felt instantly so much better they turned around and gave Dr. LaPietra a big kiss. Uh, she was shocked um, and didn't expect it. But indeed, this is how delighted uh, this individual was. He immediately felt that much better. Wow. Could I ask how long that lasts? Well, once it stops the cycle, it, it, you may not need any more therapy. It, because once, because what happens with back pain is the back pain causes more inflammation and more muscle spasm, which causes more back pain, which causes more inflammation and muscle spasm. To break that cycle with a trigger point injection actually alleviates any of the pain completely. Sometimes uh, it never comes back. So you believe in a lot of cases, Alto is actually the most appropriate uh, pain management and, and much more effective than opioids. So, I mean, that is... That's a message that's, gosh, that's fantastic. That's really great to hear. Yeah, yes, exactly right. I don't want people to think 
that if you come to a hospital that does alto principles for pain, that you're going to get less pain management. This is actually state-of-the-art acute pain management using alternatives to opioids first. And if opioids are needed, indeed, they will be prescribed or given. But this is actually better, more advanced pain management than just giving opioids like we used to do um, last year. Sure. So, you know, I think increasingly today, people advocate for their own pain management, if you will, and and what they want. So, you know, what percentage of your patients still opt for opioids, even when they're, you know, presented these options? Um, Most patients, if I can alleviate their pain and get them comfortable, are delighted not to have opioids. We have very, very few who are coming in demanding opioids. And when they demand without giving alternatives a chance first, makes us sometimes think that maybe there is uh, an alternative reason that the patient is demanding opioids. Uh. For instance, if they are um, dependent on opioids and they're trying to get more, or if they are selling opioids on the, on the street or in, in the black market, Many times they'll come to the emergency department seeking opioids, and they may ask for them by specific brand name. I don't ever want to suggest that or label a patient as a drug seeker or a drug user, but clearly there is a problem in society right now with tremendous opioid use, abuse, and deaths from opioids and heroin. So, and that's one thing that you mentioned the other day, is that uh, abusers kind of are not showing up in the numbers they used to. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Greg, I got a call from um, one of my friends who runs an emergency department just north of St. Joseph's in Patterson, New Jersey. And he said, uh, Mark, what, what are you doing? All of a sudden, I'm getting all your drug seekers and your drug abusers, and they're not going to your hospital. Are you sending them here? And it really became, I became aware of the fact that people who wanted to abuse opioids or wanted to sell them or had other plans for them other than needing them for their acute pain were no longer coming to St. Joe's because they knew we would treat them with alternatives. Instead, they're going to other hospitals. In fact, I believe very strongly if all hospitals would use Alto principles for acute pain, that we can really stop a lot of the prescriptions for opioids, and we can also drive the drug, the people who are abusing the opioids into treatment programs. And this may be the way to really stem the tide of opioid abuse and this tremendous epidemic that we're in. Yeah. So how many people would you say you've treated through the ALTO program since you began offering it? There are, initially when we started doing this, we started in January of this year. And by March, we had treated over 300 patients with ALTO principles. The biggest change now is the entire department culture has changed. And we're using many different types of alternatives that go beyond what was in the Alto principles. 
this entire culture change means that the about 40% to 60% of patients who come into my emergency department come in with a painful syndrome of one sort or another, whether it's related to trauma or fibromyalgia or another number of different pain syndromes, all those patients are getting alternatives first. The only ones who are not are those who I listed earlier who come in with trauma or cancer pain. We are the second busiest emergency department in the country. We see 30 patients, over 30 patients an hour during the prime time of the day and 500 patients a day. That type of volume would allow us to easily prescribe lots of pain medication to a large number of patients. I'm happy to say now we're prescribing alternatives first. Wow. Huh. So how would you advise other communities, other hospitals that would like to take on a similar program? What would the steps be? Well, I think, first of all, it's to realize that opioids and the prescriptions to opioids are a problem. You know, nobody will get addicted if we don't give the first dose of opioids in the emergency department. Because what starts in the emergency department continues throughout their therapy. So if somebody came in and I prescribed them opioids like Percocet, and they went to the orthopedic surgeon and said, this worked for me, he's probably going to prescribe it as well. So the first step is to realize there's a problem. The next step is I am happy to share all these ALTO protocols. We have written about them in many different medical journals. And to get a list of these protocols and to initiate them in your emergency departments as soon as feasible. These are easy to adopt, better patient satisfaction, more complete control of pain, happier patients, less addiction. There's not a downside to doing this. And it's a, a tremendously satisfying to everybody involved. Outstanding. Well, we certainly look forward to publishing all of the documentation on this and, and all the instructional materials that you'll provide us. We'll publish that right along with this podcast, Doctor, and, and uh, that's uh, exciting, very exciting to be able to do that. So Absolutely. what else should our listeners know about the ALTO program that you've initiated and has become very successful in your community, Doctor? I think patients need to know that Anytime they have pain, it's important to talk to their doctor about pain and management of the pain and develop some sense of what their goals of care are. Their goals of care should not be complete relief of the pain, but relief to a point that they can function normally. And to always seek alternatives to opioids and consider opioids as your last resort. They can be very, very dangerous, if not taken with respect and without understanding the abuse potential that involved with the opioids. Every person who takes opioids has a risk of addiction. Don't go down that pathway if you don't need to. Look for alternatives. Look for a hospital if possible that will provide you with the alternatives. And good luck and God bless. 
Well, Doctor, I'd like to thank you for joining us and congratulate you on creating such an innovative and effective program for your community and now, hopefully, many other communities throughout our country. Thank you. Pleasure to be here today. Okay. We've been joined today by Dr. Mark Rosenberg, who is the Chairman of Emergency Medicine and Medical Director for Population Health at St. Joseph Healthcare System in Patterson, New Jersey. My name is Greg McNeil founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.